covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Bernier. Welcome again, fans of the 50-yard fight. It is Zach Kyleman here alongside Jim Bernier for episode two of Inside the Walls podcast, the podcast covering exclusively all things National Real League and its current six teams. Guys, first off, we want to start off the show before we get into, of course, all of our interesting news, rumors, topics, recaps, and everything that we cover with this league by saying thank you, because we really had great response episode one. Jim, I, I, I got to say, uh, we did not, you and I did not expect at least the uh, feedback, the replies, you know, the people that we got to talk to about how we did. Uh, it really seems like those that listen in or those that are listening now um, really were happy that we're doing this. You know, I, yeah. I'm happy we're doing this. And most appreciate to you out there, people who've listened to us. Uh, we're just two dudes doing an arena football podcast, or excuse me, National Arena League podcast. And the. <laughs> The reviews, the outreach, people saying that this is the best arena podcast they've heard in almost 10 years. That really got to me very like instantly. I'm like, holy crap, I didn't expect there'd be an audience like here. And and we get good numbers for our first episode. It's some I I I I can't say thank you so many times to everyone who's downloaded the podcast. I said most appreciated, honestly. And that's without Apple and Google. Right. Right. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> We got Apple and Google in that, ladies and gentlemen. We have the coverage. You asked. We finally figured our side out because we said, you know what? Screw what we're doing with our current hosting. We, if for those that are podcasters, you know, hosting platform for the episodes is important. We decided let's switch over and streamline this so you guys can listen wherever the, the heck you guys want to across the internet. So we definitely are on Apple Podcasts. We're definitely on Spotify. We're definitely on Google. We're on the big three. We're on plenty more as well that you guys hear. And since Jim, of course, was very helpful in getting us on there, I'm going to let him run this down really quick, Jim. Well, this week's Sacred Scrolls are where you can find us on now on podcast platforms. <laughs> that is Spreaker, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeart, TuneIn, Palmbeam, of course, Anchor, Breaker, Live Notes, and of course, Pandora. I'm pretty sure you heard your favorite platform on there. So if you like our show and you did not like listening to us on Anchor, fear not. We have a place for you. Just go and search us on any of those platforms. And if you can, please leave us an Apple podcast review. I know, I know you guys are really liking that we're doing this show and expanding, at least talking about a league and a style of football that doesn't get attention. Well, here's the thing. Reviews of our show, especially on Apple, if you really like it, that helps expand the show, gets more eyeballs and listenership on it, at least eyeballs in terms of looking up on the web pages. Listeners, of course, when it comes to downloads, which then helps us enfold, grow the show and the audience and interest. So, Give us a review, you know, especially if you like the show, give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate that on Apple podcasts in particular, and let's just keep growing this man. You know, this is only episode two and we're already talking about all these things here as we begin this show. And currently I'm, I'm excited, you know, and we have so much more that's actually come up this week that we get to talk about last week. You might've heard about, you know, we were talking a little AFL, you know, side news. Now we get to talk some NAL stuff with growth of the league. Uh, interesting article that i was that me and jim were shown this week actually courtesy of the guys at uh 50 yard i'm not going to say this part 50 yard uh we'll call it a poop posting i'm not gonna we'll make this a family-friendly show in this sense uh but 
50 yard SP, uh, really good discord server. And they've been sharing around a lot of information that they find. And one specific article that came up is from the Pittsburgh post Gazette, uh, written by a gentleman by the name of Aiden Jolie. I believe that is the pronunciation. It is, it is like jolly, but you take one L out. Uh, it's an article focusing mainly on the Pittsburgh gladiators, one of the original arena football league teams. But as we go through this article, one piece kind of sticks out. So we go down maybe two thirds into the article and inside this, it talks about Chris Siegfried. Now, if you guys follow the NAL, you know, Chris Siegfried is the commissioner of the NAL. What's he doing in this article? Wait a minute. Yeah. He coached the, he coached the Pittsburgh power in 2011, 2012, but why is he now coming up here? Well, here's the deal in the article. There is an excerpt right here. And we shared this on uh, the national real league uh, Facebook group that we're in. It says, and I quote, Chris Siegfried, the commissioner of the National Arena League, said he is currently trying to see if Pittsburgh, yes, the Steel City itself, would be a viable option for expansion in his league. The league currently has six teams plus two dormant members set to rejoin the league in 2022. And for those referencing the two dormant members, that is including Ontario, as in the Ontario Bandits, and the West Virginia Rough Riders, both supposedly planning to return, but we have not gotten clear confirmation on that yet. So, Jim... Pittsburgh all of a sudden comes on the table, which of course expansion has been kind of a question mark that we're talking about moving into this off season, even since we're still mid season, 2021, but Pittsburgh, we're going to Pittsburgh, huh? I, I don't, I don't like I saw it. that. <laughs> I don't like it, but if we look back when the Pittsburgh power around, when the relaunch of the original or the arena football league, they got off to a bad start right off the bat with the Olive Garden incident. If you're a Arena Football fans, you know what happened. If not, players kind of got together before game when they went to go down and play the Orlando Predators, and situations escalated. People got cut. Players got signed, and Pittsburgh ended up having a bad year. But the management of Pittsburgh was that organization was crap, in my opinion. And they, they had a good final year of existence but they just got tired of the Arena Football League's management and they said goodbye. But the Pittsburgh City, where can they play? I know it's with the PPG Stadium, I think is where the the Penguins play. I think that's the only you know, arena that can, they can get into. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, if you know the city of Pittsburgh, I know we might have listeners from Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, if you don't have a winner, they don't support you. Yeah. Just look at the Pirates. Great example. It's kind of a weird, it's a weird period for the Pittsburgh Pirates right now if you're talking Mm -hmm. baseball. And it's funny because Chris even references this in this write-up that, you know, they the city wants a winner. So, you know, think of it as I almost feel like for the expansion to Pittsburgh, you have to replicate what Albany is doing this year in almost every facet, you know. Mm recruiting a stacked roster and get a winner right out of the gate that competes with the elites of the league already. Or become elite, become the elite team in the league. True. You know, or just become Albany and become the elite team in the league. Although Columbus says I've, as we have talked about, and uh, I also have talks with one part of the ownership, they, they feel like they're pretty confident. So, Hey, that's just, they still have a claim, you know, another chance, if you will, at some point. But, well, it's 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 a viable option because, honestly, if you're looking at any type of league, you can't just have six teams. You have to have more than six teams. Yeah. 
right. because if you have a normal season, you're going to play the same team four or five times. That's just not that's that's not doable in any league you play in. That's not just the arena league. That's baseball. That's you know basketball. You have to have more than six teams. They're going to have to expand. We do know the NAL has two dormant organizations. Honestly, my opinion, I don't have sources on this. I don't think Ontario is coming back, so don't even think about that. At least West Virginia has some life in them right now. Uh, so they need to expand. Yes, yeah, six teams is find your find your foundation. The NAL needs to find their foundation teams that they know they're going to be here through the thick and thin. And I think they might found them with the six good owners. And if New Jersey has come back after having, you know, survived the pandemic, you know, they're, this league is in a good mindset. And they're going to have to. Pittsburgh, for me, honestly, it's not the destination to go to. Uh, if you're told, telling me about realistic expansion options, I'm more linked towards a city that you can you know, support an organization because they're the only thing in town, like a Lehigh. Yeah. Uh, Lehigh Valley has always supported area football. Um, I don't know what the, the situation happened there. If West Virginia comes back, you, 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 it might be good to have that West Virginia-Pittsburgh connection that little i think is like 55 miles separate the two cities so that may be a good co- a little co- competition but yeah, i mean it's not too far of a distance between wheeling and pittsburgh yeah. themselves so you know and like that's me, another cost-saving measure like we yeah, talked about with and, putting any new teams in yeah and me and you talked off air about my dream scenario is get this league to 10 teams yep and double digits would be nice um get it 10 teams just for 2022 find your foundation see what you can do and possibly expand to 12 in 2023 because you know what happens in 2023, the arena football league relaunches and yep. just going to, I'm just going to say, I know everyone's out there so excited and I guarantee you a lot of our listeners saw the meme that I created with the star Wars meme about we're going to create a great empire and <laughs> the arena football league is Padme. So together, right. Then you get evil Anakin. Let's just say that the NAL and arena football league, they're, they're going to do this their own. They're going to do it their way and, and their mindset. That's the type of communication we're hearing. And that's good. So if that positive manner, you move forward, you got to see what are the viable options. Nashville, Lehigh, Pittsburgh, possibly, if you can get that West Virginia-Pittsburgh matchup. Uh, rumors of the Carolina, uh, not Carolina Thunder, the Charlotte Thunder, Charlotte Thunder. from the American Arena League have been swirling around the chat boards. And I think uh, inside the arena reported it a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago, but hasn't been confirmed by us. We don't know for sure. Right. The, mo- the most that came from that report was you had a P you had an announcer claiming that that was the case. Um, and that it was reported via stream. Uh, again, the, the NAL itself hasn't come out with anything official, so we can't say that, but you know, if that and we can't correct, yeah, and we can't confirm it because even our assets are not confirming the report. Right, right. So you can only you can only go so far until the NAL says something. But hints are, if you're basing it, and if the and if the announcer that was claiming that you know he's close to the organization, you know, we're looking at potentially right now sitting on nine teams with them debating a tenth. If all things go correctly, again, you know, Ontario. That's iffy if it if it's come back. You know, West Virginia to me has highly like has higher likelihood. They are playing an alumni game on July 17th. So they are still participating in some way for football, just not seriously in a season this year. So Best I imagine that will change. 
you know. The thing, one thing about West Virginia, I love their field. Yeah. That is like a, a unique field. And you know West Virginia supports their fan, supports their team. Go, go look at the 2018 American Arena League championship game. That building is sold out. That building has at least 12,000 people in it for an American Arena League team. So they love arena football. And I wish West Virginia gets back to the NAL next year because that's what the arena football needs. They need organizations like that, that pack the building, that make the games a site. And small, smallish, dedicated market. That's how I yeah. see it. You if, you're the, if you're the only entertainment in town, you become the talk of the town. And that's sometimes go smaller is better than go to major cities. True. Good point. You know, Pittsburgh, it's really you would have to have a winner. And, you know, kind of want to mention, you know, something that was brought up that a few people I talked that you and I talked with about the Pittsburgh scene brought up is, you know, that 2011 season up until, you know, issues came about. They were aver- they averaged that year not- just a tick over nine thousand fans in the stands per game. Uh, and that's home contest based. So, you know, if, still a solid theory, crowd. Yeah, I mean, in theory, you start out hot, you can keep people there, and not to mention we talk about like say the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, talk about the two hot teams in town. A credit, we're not rivaling the NFL, but mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like spring your real competition's baseball in that city. So if you have a poor performing and poor, I would say currently trending baseball team, and you have no other major sports in the city and you bring in an NAL team and in theory, stack the roster a little bit, or at least, sorry, not stack. That seemed, that's a little dirty invest in the roster. I, I need to clarify, invest in your roster and put it to where you can get something that is a solid, if not damn good product on the field then you have something possibly you know maybe you don't get nine thousand because it doesn't have the afl branding but you know say you get like your jim you mentioned this to me like like a four thousand there you know yeah something that something that at least is still reasonable looks decent on a stream you know hopefully someday a tv pre- presentation you know that would be that's I mean, that would that'd be, be nice yeah yeah that's what you're but looking for four thousand is a goal for a national arena league game Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, Jacksonville, even though they haven't reported their last home game, I was there. That it looked around about 4,000 there, that, but that's average for Jacksonville, especially in NAL. Mm-hmm. But if you put a winner on the field, and of course, this is a pandemic season, a lot of teams can are subject to local and uh, state guidelines. Right. Uh, but you only have four home games this year, and and usually in a normal football season or a normal arena season, you don't have four home games. You have eight, maybe nine home games based on your schedule. And usually your first two or three home games are not big attending games because the people in your city or community don't know that the games teams is there or playing. And when they start winning, you'll get, you know, game five, game six, game nine, where you're putting 5,000 people in there because their team's winning or the word's finally out. It's just that in a short season like we are right now in the National Arena League, by the time half these teams get into their grooves, it's the playoffs. Yep. And by time, like, like for example, let's just say New Jersey looked like the worst team in the league, or Jersey Flight, excuse me, looked like the worst team in the league for the first three weeks. And this week, it's like, oh, well, maybe not. That might be an example where a team finally gets clicking at the end and then the season ends. But in a expansion type of year or talking about expansion, here are the key for me. Here are my key three things for a team: an arena, 
that can support a team. We're not talking about playing in a barnyard. We're not talking about playing in an arena where the field is being presented by a league that's been you know extinct for about 20 years. <laughs> right. And promotion, advertising, get people who are invested in the game like announcers, people who are covering a game who know what they're talking about. I watch a lot, not just NAL games. I've watched a lot of other league games over the weekend on YouTube and every source and, and, and streaming source. I'm pretty happy about the NAL's coverage of their announcers. They're, they know the game. They know the rules of the game. And they make the game go float instantly. There's some leagues in here that they get higher people in this higher people in covering these leagues. They have no idea what the game's about. Yeah. And you'll have you get five to ten. You you've seen them. I guarantee our listeners have seen them on these YouTube uh, streams that they'll go five to ten minutes dead air, and the game's going on. You're like, you got um, something to say? <laughs> uh, first down, touchdown, hello. And the only thing you hear is bad sound quality, bad everything. To run a successful expansive franchise, you need a viable building. And you need a building where you can afford. Promote the hell out of it. Sign people or people onto your franchise that know the game. Yes. And let the community know. The one thing why Jackson was successful, why Albany is successful, why Columbus is so successful. They do all three of those things. Mm -hmm. They promote, they sell, they produce. Gra- grassroots advertising is king for this sport and you you definitely cannot sit around and you just rely on maybe a brand coming to town or like a few news pieces that are in your local newspaper that, that that's right. not going to cut it you know uh i know we talked that's about- what we're doing here honestly with the right. podcast we're trying to get more people on the product Right. On a league-wide scale, that is definitely what this is. You know, and to talk an example, like I said, we, we mentioned Louisville last week, you know, just kind of that downfall. Um, that's an example of what you do, of what not to of what not to do. Uh yeah. and credit, you know, money obviously gets in the way. First off, like as I said last week, don't start an arena franchise if you have no cash. That's just insulting. Uh secondly, though, you know, get out there and show what your product is and like talk about it. You know, the the times I went in Louisville. Uh, four games, there's nothing. They, they did a terrible job getting the word out. You know, if you're going to start an expansion, especially if we're talking like Pittsburgh, since again, this article references Pittsburgh as being looked at. So we have to consider that it's a serious contender right now to be potentially, if we're talking all things work out, a 10th franchise in the NAL. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to hit the ground running. You know, you have to be in the, in the Steel City community to really get this to work, you know, whatever brand you choose or something like that, if they are going there, you know, and maybe, Hey, maybe commissioner Chris Siegfried with his connection back to the AFL and to his time with the power, maybe he's the solution. Maybe he, why not go after some former Steeler players that are not, not playing, but you know, like a Jerome Bennis or a Cordell Stewart that have money that can invest in the team. You put a face on that franchise. Yeah. I mean, he would go like that. Oh, Just Lynn Swan is all. I mean, unfortunately, no, no. part of the last one. But like know. down in Tampa, when they relaunched the Storm, Derek Brooks owned the Tampa Bay Storm. Right. He is a former. He's a Hall of Fame NFL linebacker from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he also played college football up the street at Florida State University. So there was a face on the brand. People know who the owner was. For mm-hmm. a jumpstart organization like Pittsburgh, I think you have to you have to get into the ties of the Steelers. And don't don't look at the Pittsburgh defenders from the AAL as a blueprint. That was no, no, don't do no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, 
But I think if they really want to be serious, they got to go after someone who's in the Steeler organization that's either retired or someone that is in his playing career trying to play a few more years that was associated as a, a big name, like a, I don't know, Antonio Brown, not Antonio Brown, uh, Blesco Burris or something like that. They mm-hmm. play for the Steelers that people go, hey, he's a former Steeler. It gets at least gets people in the stands for that opening day. Once you get them in the stands opening day, you sell them on the product. And if you win, you win a good style, then they'll come back the next home game. But I think we buried Pittsburgh down the a, a hole here with the expansion talk. <laughs> right. We got, we got more news to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Hey, like I said, Pittsburgh, it's kind of nice to see that that's being talked about more and more, you know, and my last bit on that whole ownership thing. I mean, Hey, the Charlotte thunder, that's two player owners in a ownership group in that, you know, with Thomas Davis and Ted Ginn jr. So, you know, that's an example of something you can put together. And if they're dedicated to the community, why not? And, you know, Jim, you're absolutely right. Plenty of bit more news this week, or at least things that we noticed as well. Uh, Cause this, this next piece isn't exact. I would say it's, it's sort of news, but maybe it's, this is more of a thing to like inform you what's going on. So the NAL, if you haven't noticed, and they started advertising it this week more, they are testing out a fantasy app. Uh, they are trying to get into the world of fantasy football with their league. They're using an app that's called a fantasizer is what I'm noticing. And so far, they've only... dirty. Yeah, it does sound a little, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? <laughs> it does sound a little dirty, but Hey, I, I have, I will be honest. I have not been able to test it. I will test it this week for, uh, for the upcoming, upcoming game that they're using week four. They use Jacksonville and Columbus as a test game. So they'll continue to try this app out, but it looks like this is going to be their main platform. They're going to be moving forward with, and they're starting to move into fantasy football, which you know what? This kind of brings me back to 2019 with the whole uh, AFL DraftKings partnership because I used to play that uh, weekly. I, that's the only reason I owned DraftKings was actually to play we- daily or to play weekly fantasy football for the uh, AFL, and it was fun. You know, if it's anything like that, I'm sold. You know, well, it's it's something that the leagues get into, and in this day and age, fantasy football is you know king. Um, of course, daily fantasy games are king. And it's something that the NAL needs to do to, you know, put more eyes on the product. They used a bad game to do it on, by the way. Uh, <laughs> maybe, well, I'm not going to get into that, but, uh, but <laughs> it's a bright, it's a bright side. It's a, I like it because it gives more eyes on the product. And here, if it gets more eyes on the product in a positive way, yes. And for the system, even though the app sounds kind of dirty, uh, fantasizer. It looks like I'm about to watch some corny 1980s uh, adult film, um, but oh, I like Jim. it. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just expose my age, I guarantee. But anyways, um, but it's something that I. It's a good step in the right direction. I like where the ownership of the league is thinking and where they want to go, and also gets more interaction with the fan base. Then, and when you get the community and the fan base is connected to this thing especially how big fantasy football is in the National Football League and baseball and basketball. This is a great step forward to making the league more modern, you could say. Absolutely. I I think this is a great piece. Like I said, I loved when the AFL did daily fantasy. Now credit they one of the owners the owner of the owner of the Valor and the and of the Baltimore Great Brigade already was part ownership of DraftKings, so it made sense, but I love that concept, you know, and fantasy football 
you know, it, it only, I think, enhances the viewership experience of a fan. So not only do you possibly bring in new fans, you're recommitting to the diehard fans that already are part of this league. You know, it just gives them another element to engage with their favorite league, which is something I think, you know, the NAL still kind of is struggling with, like talking like social media, you know, they're there's some things they could do better at that, you know, for mm-hmm. fan engagement. You know, I think they're figuring that out on the fly, but like yeah. fantasy football, that's a good fan engagement piece. You know, that's something that, you know, right now, uh, the other two big dogs, uh, the IFL and the CIF, unless I have not figured this out, they don't have nope. that or they're not experimenting with it that we can tell yet. So, you know, that's something that I think is a good piece or in their arsenal that they can expand upon and have something that says, Hey, we're different. You know, we have something that is unique and makes us a different vibe. Yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity for a league to get ahead of their competition. Yes, the other two leagues are considered competition folks, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to consider that. But, you know, for the NAL's sake, good choice. I'm going to definitely participate in this week's test game. And, you know, we'll give our feedbacks in the third episode, I think, both you and you and me. Although, uh, Jim, I believe, is going to be at this week's Sharks game. So uh, maybe not maybe not totally be able to play that. This time, yeah, but you know, probably don't know. Okay. I might try to figure out, but it's going to be kind of difficult, especially if I'm a couple beers in. Fair point. Hey, I'll, I'll always give you the tips. You know, I'm going to be playing at my house, uh, you know, in Indianapolis, away, unfortunately, too far away from a NAL game, but someday I'll get there. I'll get one of those under my belt. Uh, last piece of tidbit news that just came out very recently of the show recording. Um, and something I neither of us, I think, completely realized. Um, the National Real League's first female official participated in a game this week. So uh, applause first. There. Good job with the NAL. Uh, that is Miley Williamson serving as a line judge in week four. She was there for the Jersey flight taking on the Carolina Cobras. So nice to see a, uh, histor- a, a historical mark there for the league. You know, good stuff. And she is actually up for potentially being part of the postseason this year, too, depending on... Uh, selection from the national arena league's uh, own uh, officials committee put her in yeah just don't don't even don't even don't even go through the process put her in period yeah <laughs> hey joe clarkson uh director of officials for those that don't know you know she's doing a good job put her in man you know but yeah good job good marks on the league there uh happy for happy for miss williamson as well you know uh, you know, definitely seemed like a good performance. I didn't see any problems watching the game or any officiating that was, you know, off from any case. And of course she's not the main head official, but I'm just saying like the crew as a, as a whole did great and uh, happy that, you know, we're getting to see more uh, female opportunities in the sport of football at all different levels. Yeah. And we're in this day and age where if you want to be something, want to do something, you shouldn't be judged by your sex or gender or your race of the color of your skin. You want to go do it? Go do it. No one's stopping you. And I'm really happy that the NAL did this. It's Damn a right. step in the right direction. It's, it's a step in the right, right. direction. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Jim. It, that is definitely a step in the right direction. Good stuff. Glad that the NAL highlighted this as well. Because, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised they didn't highlight it soon, sooner that they uh, were having her on the crew. But, hey, you know, good good on them. Really uh, awesome. Keep on keep on dominating there, Miss Williamson. We'll be uh, following along, of course, as fans uh, at the various games, you'll be, of course, part of the cruise. Without further ado, though, we move on. It is time to talk our recaps of the week. Week four. Oh boy, week four had a few surprises. I would say, well, more of it, more surprises in terms of at least how games either started or just uh, one team in particular decided that enough was enough. 
uh, and well, they willed themselves to victory. I think over a sluggish uh, Carolina Cobras, we're talking about the Jersey flight here first, kicking things off for our recaps for this week. So first things first, Jersey flight for those that listened last week, they only scored 15 points. Uh, they got pummeled, if you will, against the Columbus lions, like pretty much not didn't stand a chance. Uh, just every possible wrong scenario you could imagine happened, uh, whether it was fumbles, uh, interceptions, you name it, uh, just inconsistency or fourth down stops. Couldn't get anywhere this week. Just seemed like they were ready to say enough is enough. Get that first win. And honestly, uh, I think Carolina's got a little bit of evaluation they need to do, Jim. Yeah, they need to do an evaluation, and you got to give credit where credit's due. New Jersey's defense uh, just – they caused so much ha- havoc in the backfield this past weekend. Um, Sam Casanova, the quarterback for the Carolina Cobras, just could not stay off the ground. The offense line was getting beat. The defense for Jersey was everywhere. And even though Warren Smith Jr. didn't have out, you know, flashly stats, you had like I think three pick sixes in this game, and in any arena game, if you if you're giving your opponent three extra possessions, yeah, you're 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 not gonna even be competitive this game. And it was competitive at halftime, but that third quarter is where it just flipped the switch. And yeah. Yeah, and for for Jersey coming back from being the quote unquote worst team in the NAL to that type of performance over Carolina to a Carolina team that went toe to toe with Albany the previous week, it it's not really it's not really questioning what team they are, but it just tells you that even though they started zero and three, they got to win under their belt. They're right back in the mix thing of the playoffs this year, and yeah, playoffs. We're only six weeks away from the playoffs, go figure. Um, but it's a, a solid win. But for Carolina, you can't win football games when your quarterback is on the ground. And also offensive line, but you also got to put blame. You got to put blame on the quarterback too. Uh, he made some bad decisions too, and some of them you rather take the sack and the safety than throw a pick six. Um, so yeah, there were some situations that game that were just. It was just once. One domino fell. They all started falling. And you got to give credit where credit's due. Jersey went there, and they won the game. They got themselves back in order. They're technically still behind Carolina in the standings, but if they're like a half a game behind them overall. Um, but it was a, it's a solid win for Jersey to get back in the race. Right. And Jersey, I mean, like I said, they were, we had put them as kind of down and out after last week. Maybe some people thinking it's overmatched and sure enough, they come in and they, they really dominated the the front three or the front uh, three, if you will. I almost said front seven, like it's traditional, but you know, they, they really dominated the front three here in this, in this contest, honestly, uh, Castronova was running for his life. I felt like half the time and you know, both of those picks were crucial, especially the first one. I think that first pick six really set the tone and credit that was right at the that was right at the goal line that they had gotten the kickoff at. Uh, Jersey had done a great job covering, and at that point, you know, Castro was going to get sacked. So either you took the safety, or you found a way to get rid of the ball. And unfortunately for him, didn't get rid of the ball to the right spot. Became a pick six, and of course, the end of the game. By the time it was almost all said and done, throws another pick six in kind of a similar fashion, just almost like doing too much. Or try and do too much, you know, but that kind of happens when your line 
is getting blown up, I would I would say at least maybe not even half, but you know, a good maybe 30 to 40 percent of the game just felt like Jersey would get the jump and then it would just yeah. kind of fluster Carolina's offense enough, you know. I mean, Castro Nova definitely did not have time. And I'm hoping that they, for their sake, they're getting things all settled down. Because uh, as we know, Columbus is not going to do them any favors here in week five whatsoever. No. You know, if no. Jersey's given that much fits. No, Columbus is the best defense in the NL. I'm just going to say that. But yeah. uh, for for Carolina's issues, when your, defense, when your offensive line is getting blown up, one thing I did not see in that game, they didn't run trying to run screens. They didn't try to run the football. Trying to you know confuse that defensive line. They didn't. What they did is always let's do a slant route. Let's go deep. Let's do let's quarterback run out of the pocket to throw it uh, to a corner. And it was ball was in the stands. The ball was underthrown or it was picked. Carolina could not get out of their own way, and their Jer- and Jersey's defense was not you know helping either. They were just cracking down on tackles or you know a step quicker than the Carolina. But you can almost say this is almost like that hangover type of game for Carolina, but in a season that they only eight games hangovers are going to cost you. If you're going to be a team that's hosting a playoff game to a team that's going to miss the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they scored 58 points. So in the pre week three, that is, and mm-hmm. here they come lay a goose egg too. you know, definitely got to pick yourselves off the mat. You have a, not too much time to adjust things, especially with that bottom half of the standings, now being kind of a cluster, now that the Jersey Flight have gotten their first win, you know, and as we go into the second game here, the Predators taking their loss, their first home game against the Empire, which, funny enough, for most for a duration of this contest, the Predators look like they're playing uh, the upset contender here against the Empire. I mean, and we, we're talking, they were they had, a, at least up until the end of the second half, you know, they were controlling somewhat the game to a T. You know, mm-hmm. even se- even third quarter, you know, it was a two point game going into the, going at least partial way into the fourth and just Albany ran out of gas. And well, uh, Brian Hicks, uh, we learned later also had to uh, be hospitalized, unfortunately. Now, it sounds like he's in good spirits and we're wondering if he'll be in for week five. I'm doubting that's the case, but, um, you know, Hicks definitely kept the Predators at least in contention this entire time. You know, kudos to them. But as we said last week, it's a sprint with Albany, a consistent sprint. You know, you have to outpace them or you have to have good enough defense. And eventually for teams like the Predators or even, you know, like the Cobras, either stumble or you run out of gas. This week it was run out of gas. Yeah, just same as the the Cobras the the previous week. They just they went toe-to-toe with the best team in the league and they just ran out of gas. Um also give a shout out to the Orlando faithful that showed up to that arena. That was a good, that was, I think the biggest crowd they had since they've been back as the Orlando predators. Um, And just that crowd right there was enough to keep the fans engaged to the game, to keep the team in high, you know, getting their hopes high where you're midway through the third quarter and you're still in, you know, you're, you're still playing good football. It's just, Albany has the talent. They have the experience. You have Tommy Grady. You have Price. You have Derek Ross. It was just experience, and they've been here. They've done that, and they pulled ahead at the end. Of course, Brian Hicks, um, unfortunately, suffered concussion. I kind of laugh at it now because he did an interview. Uh, I forgot who he did an interview with. He did with Inside the Arena, actually. Inside the Arena. 
<laughs> and then he literally quote retweeted and goes, I had no idea I did this. So he Gosh. was, I, I've had experience. I played football defensive line. I've had moments where I completely forgot what happened an entire game and don't remember literally like the next day. So I kind of get a last talk because I've been in his shoes, but just tells you now that next week they travel to uh, Jersey. Yep. Quarterback question is, will he be able to play if it's a concussion protocol like the NFL is? No, that's that's within that seven to eight day period. So you might have to miss. But props to Orlando, that fans, they gave Orlando enough of energy and, you know, hope to win this game. But again, experience by the Albany, Tommy Grady, Derek Ross Price, that team's loaded and they just made enough plays in the in second half to win the game. Right. I mean, after the, for the Predators in particular, after the, the Kenny McIntyre era for that one season in 2019, you know, some of the off field drama after post 2019 and them just being able to get Nate Sterling, the Tradeco family investing initially into this squad for 2020. And then, you know, them bringing on and kind of helping bring on a different local owner and John Chaney and them, the Tradeco family themselves going to Albany. I mean, give props to the Trecco family, in my opinion, for keeping all this afloat here, because not only afloat, but it seems like the Predators, you know, and obviously opening week is could be a little deceiving because, you know, first off, a lot long time from football, but second off opening week generally is the biggest fanfare for any sport, at least in terms of sports like, say, football, where it's, you know, one weekend every weekend or one game every weekend is kind of the big, big deal. You know, you got to give props to everyone that was ownership involved because this team looked like they were kind of a joke version of the predators last year or in 2019 um it's looking like that reputation is hopefully getting built up a bit better now you know and that i mean that goes for the new jerseys the helmets that look traditional you're trying to give the vibe that hey this is the orlando predators you know this is what the community should remember from us not the 2019 like we're pretending to be them in a way or we look like an off-brand like store-bought version this is orlando you know this definitely feels like a Predators team now that's back and here to stay. And kudos to ownership pieces that have been involved to help make that possible because you guys are knocking out. And actually, the Predators right now, in my opinion, just personally to me, if it wasn't for Albany, they're my favorite jersey jersey helmet combo. I, I love that look. You know, So props to them, seriously. I, I can't, can't give enough credit for them bringing them back in that way too. You know, and of course, bringing Ben Bennett back too to coach that helps as well that brings uh, the that gives the predators their moxie yeah just just many pieces like i said this version yeah. there's many pieces they did a great job with it you know and if that's the nal we're going to get used to that's the nal i want you know yeah it's something like that you know definitely a good job uh the final game of week four uh well jim jacksonville and columbus what course. game <laughs> oh you don't want you don't you're trying to push <laughs> that out of your memory now <laughs> I get that football mindset. You know what? That happened. You know, that 24 hour rule. You, you, you know, you look at the game, you look what happened and you move on. Now I'm our, my mindset's Albany. We're, we're on Albany. We won't get that good. Bill Belichick. Like we're on Albany. <laughs> good for you because I'm um, going to be honest with, with you. That's probably one that you're going to be wanting to forget here. Uh, honestly, I'm telling you right now, uh, Jacksonville's got some questions at least to solve in terms of injury woes that hopefully get corrected. We were talking before the show that sounds like at least defensively it's the case, but behind center, maybe 
we have a solution. I mean, credit, they, they switched to, at, they switched against Columbus to Connor Kagey away, away from Brecken, uh, maybe a little too late, but perhaps that's a solution question mark. I don't know. You know, uh, at least Connor Kagey complete pass. Yeah. Uh, Breckenridge cannot, he was behind the receivers. He was flustered. And then you put Connor Kagey in his first couple of snaps in the arena league. Of course, he got interception and, and not reading the coverage because you know, he just got into the game and mm-hmm. he was just signed literally like four days before the game. Um, he got a little experienced in and, and what's good about Connor is that, yes, you want on the road, you play one of the best defenses in the league. What benefits him this week is they're playing Albany. Yep. Albany's defense is not – they're the suspect part of Albany's offense. Albany's offense is going to lead them to victory. That defense is very vulnerable to, you know, attack. But if you look back at last week, it, the problem here is Jacksonville got behind, and when Jacksonville got behind, they were not playing their game where they had to have um, the kicker Burr kick mm-hmm. deuces – Go like he, they had to have their kicker who Jacksonville literally put on their Facebook page as the offensive MVP, their field goal kicker. And right. when your field goal kicker is the offensive MVP, I guarantee you 99.9% of those games, no matter what team it is, you lost that game. Just yeah. saying. Um, but you got to give credit to the defense of Columbus. They flustered Connor Kagey, they flustered uh, Breckenridge. Um, but Jacksonville, it, the questions is not just the offensive side of the ball. The offensive problems is they can fix the offensive problem when they keep Connor in and get him get, make him gain experience. Mm-hmm. The problem with Jacksonville is that against Columbus, all three of their defensive starting defensive backs were out. And yeah. they had three backups plus three guys they signed to just play in that game. Uh, from what I've heard, is that Jacksonville is getting two of those guys back this week. So that's positives. That's good. Now, the bad side of that is that you're coming up, you're coming back against Albany. So <laughs> right. But the the thing about week four and the game of Columbus, they got select. They got beat by Columbus. Columbus knew they had Jacksonville down. And when you are when you have your rival down, you beat them to submission. Columbus just did that. That's what you do to your rivals. That's what Jacksonville did to Columbus multiple times over the last couple of years. When Columbus was down, they didn't care. They ran up the scoreboard. Columbus did that to Jacksonville. That's what you do to your rivals. I don't care what people say. It's, well, it's unsportsmanlike conduct. You're rivals. That's why it's a rivalry. Yep. <laughs> but this game alone had just not the inside the walls uh, podcast MV, offensive MVP also has our defensive MVP. Yes. Our offensive MVP of week four is Mason Espinoza. He threw for 262 yards and six touchdowns. He did have one mistake, but, you know, when you throw for six touchdowns and you lead your team, every time you get the ball, you score, basically. That's what you call an offensive MVP. And you got to have a defense. And Columbus, in my opinion, has the best defense in the National Arena League. And our defensive MVP is Marvin Ross. He had three interceptions. He should have had four. It got overturned because of a penalty. I actually replayed that and watched that interception. It was not, I repeat, there was no holding on that play. He should have got that interception. So he should have had four, three. So those are our offensive MVP is Mason Espinosa, our defensive MVP 
is Arvin Ross. They, they've been at least Mason in particular and that defense in Columbus has been killing it. And, you know, Mason, at least I think uh, people are starting to realize that, you know, his season is really special and credit, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that you have Tommy Grady and Darius Prince up in Albany, just at least taking every point they can, you know, we would be talking about Columbus's offense right now. And that connection between Espinosa and Lonnie outlaw, even more than we have been right now. Oh. I mean, Lonnie Outlaw is also been dominant so far. Yeah, don't forget, was it Deloach? That's Columbus, right? Yes, Deloach. Yeah. yeah. Ramon, they, Ramon, Ramon Deloach. Yeah, great tandem receivers. They have it. If Albany did not have the season that they're having right now, Columbus will be the talk of the NAL. They'll be the team to beat. Right. I mean, Columbus has plenty of AFL veterans. Like I said, we talked with Lonnie Outlaw, but I mean, Antoine Grant, you know, 2019 AFL Rookie of the Year, Desmond Reese, consistent yeah. journeyman in the arena scene. Like, you know, stacked roster too, you know, and I mean, don't be surprised. Out For the fact that Columbus's defense is as dominant as it is, mm-hmm. you know, just because they lost to Albany, you know, does not mean they're out of this. I mean, no. from what I understand, they had injuries too and – you know, with short practice time, you know, the fact that they even lost by five to Albany and you look at how Albany's dominating their uh, current slate of games. I mean, I'm looking forward to a rematch. I don't know about you. <laughs> That's the one they're going to they're gonna play each other three times. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins that third meeting is the one's going to talk all the trash. Oh. And Columbus is honestly, they're going to be in that game. And the first time they met up the season opener this year, Columbus had like, I think, five or six days to prepare for Albany because their schedule got changed because of Ottawa or not Ottawa, yep. Ontario. Ontario, Ontario. Um, no, there's no team in Ottawa, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> it'd be nice to be in Canada, but it's not. Um, but yeah, you, having such a short notice to come back and just lose by one possession and losing the very go rewatch that game, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually a really good game. Yes. Uh, that's what arena football needs to be a five point game. Um, I expect when they meet up against each other again, I think they play in in, Colum- in Columbus in a couple of weeks. They I don't should. think they they should. I mean, we might have to schedule that. And if not, they're definitely playing each other. I'm not going to say, oh, predict the playoffs. They're going to play each other in <laughs> the National Arena League Championship game, ladies and gentlemen, unless something epic happens or like there's a massive upset in the first rounds of the playoffs. But yeah, uh, Columbus, if it wasn't for Albany being high-powered and blowing out everybody, they'll be the talk of the NAL right now. To, to me, that's the high, high likelihood. And the Albany and Columbus actually play week nine. That is their next matchup. Albany will be traveling to the Columbus Civic Center for that one. And that's going to be Saturday, July 24th. So I'm marking my calendar for that. That's going to be probably so that's week nine. Explosive. So that's the week before the final week of the season. Correct. I'm going to say this. If Albany, if Columbus beats Albany, technically they'll have the same record. They might, they'll both be six and one. Mm-hmm. Columbus will be cheering their heads off for the Jacksonville Sharks in week 10 because the Sharks go up to the Albany Empire because whoever, if the Empire lose that game, they win home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Now, if my prediction coming up, I'll give you guys, occurs that week nine matchup may actually be the team who hosts home field advantage. And whoever hosts home field advantage in the playoffs, it's that's a that's a big that's a big thing in arena ball. It's not like NFL. Oh, yeah. If you get home field in arena, it's so much better because your fans are there and you get more energy from your fans. And that week nine matchup could be the reason who could be the reason why either 
Albany clinches their home field advantage or Columbus steals it from them. So yeah, think about, uh, think about this too. You know, they, the way they structure this season, they put Albany's last two home games at the end of the year to hopefully open up the stadium's restrictions a bit more, maybe add some more fans in, you know, come playoff time, they win home field advantage. You best be sure that if there are little to no restrictions for fan seating in the New York area or in the capital region there, they're going to fill in. They've been filling it in so far with the restrictions. I bet you they're going to pack that place at the Times Union Center if they get home field advantage, and especially if they have restrictions get lifted, which all both of us need to keep an eye on that because you know we would love to see like upwards of hopefully maybe some point five thousand fans, you know, in the yeah. Times Union because I think that's highly possible for what they've been getting. Highly possible, there. yeah. So, I, will they touch the record that Jacksonville set for the NAL championship in 2017? Maybe not. Not this year. Maybe not this year. Uh, uh, I think I think I saw Jacksonville was like at 9100 was the, the attendance for the NAL championship in the first season of the NAL. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Albany is a fan base that I know if they get the opportunity to, they're going to jam that building. Yeah, it's going to be exciting for sure. And this week's slate of games, as we've been hinting, is also going to be pretty exciting and has some implications. I think also going to have some clues as to maybe how we see some of that lower half of kind of the the standings shape out. A few matchups that really might have some implications, if you will. So let's kick things off. The one that is a the final home game of the Jersey flight season already, which is kind of crazy to think about, but that's just how the NAL scheduling gods uh, had it. And then uh, B, you know, it's one that, you know, you're going to be testing Orlando with who most likely will be replacing Brian Hicks on that roster. So the Orlando Predators travel to the Cure Insurance Arena in Trenton, New Jersey, to take on the Jersey flight. As we said, the Jersey flight getting their first win this past week, the Orlando Predators running out of steam against the Albany empire. And, they're going to have to try out. I, I'm believing this is going to be the case just for how severe it sounded like Hicks's injury, injury was or concussion. Um, we're going, I'm going to make the assumption that uh, I'm going to pronounce his name and I feel bad for butchering it. Uh, Faustino Suacedo. I'm going, I'm so sorry if that is not how you say that. And I'm going to get the pronunciation right. Uh, but he will be most likely the starter unless I, we hear something different uh, for this contest. And then you got Warren Smith, of course, you know, an arena veteran himself who's still playing pretty solid this year when he's given the chance to throw uh, anchoring the other side, you know, in a game that I think is crucial, at least for somewhat of a clearance, if you will, for the bottom half of those standings. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. And there you got Orlando's one and two. You got Columbus or excuse me, Jersey. That's one and three. Uh, for Jersey, you get a win here. You're two and three. You go into your bye week for the next. I think they go on the two weeks of bye weeks. Um, but it's a good opportunity for you to get two and three, pretty much separate yourself, get you comfortably in that four and three seed range at right now. Uh, for Orlando, you win. You're you're back to two and two. You're back at five hundred. And two weeks ago it didn't happen. So, but right. That's that's the goal for Orlando is go up there, steal the game. There's not going to be a big crowd. You're not going to be traveling to a Jacksonville crowd. You're not going to be traveling to an Albany crowd um, unless, of course, New, Jer- New Jersey can surprise us and actually have a lot of people because they do have a big event this weekend. They, they have been hyping it up pretty good. Um, and they've been very active on social. By the way, 
Jersey Flight, the only team to follow us on Twitter. Come on, other NAL teams. Hello. Yeah. Um, uh, but hopefully there's a crowd there. But if not, the crowd noise may not be a big determining factor in this game. Um, but it's the quarterback questions, the issues. Um, and you get experience for Smith Jr. Uh, and he's been playing pretty well. He's actually had a very decent season besides what happened two weeks ago. Oh, sure. Yeah. And if I want to do pick this game, I'm going to have to say I'm going to pick Jersey here. Um, I think they have a moment. I think they found something last week in Carolina. Yeah, I'm. It's going to be tough for me to pick to not pick Jersey. Although I'm going to actually just for the sake of splitting up and to see if uh, I'm thinking that Orlando's defense is as good as it's been. I'm going to go with the Predators here. Um, you know, you do get you're going to get. This isn't an issue of like say with Jacksonville where you're saying well, we brought in Connor Kagey, so maybe we'll have a different starting quarterback. Like, you know definitively that Saucedo, and I'm again, I'm sorry if I'm saying that last name wrong. I'll get it right here. Um, you know that he's going to be in. So you get you get a full week of at least, you're, at least unless we're told otherwise, that you're going to get your definitive starter right there playing. Uh, so that gives you more time to at least adjust and at least to get things up to speed. Um, and again, Orlando defensively, I don't think they've really been a slouch. You know, like I said, last week they did a pretty decent job, at least keeping uh, the Albany Empire at bay, if you will. Um, it's going to be a tough contest, I think, without Hicks being the starting quarterback for this one. But I think it's going to be a close one. You know, I'm going to say like something along the lines of like uh, maybe like uh, 50 to 48, you know, not too much of a difference there. But I'm going to split you this week, Jim. I'm going with Orlando in this one here over in New Jersey. Uh, this is the toss-up game of the week, just saying. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think so, too. You know, Even with Hicks yeah. out, I think it is a toss-up here. Yeah, because both teams have shown that they can not show up to a game, and both teams have shown that they can show up to the game. So it's like, okay, which team shows up and which team does? That's right. this game right here. No kidding. Yeah, toss-up game out of the, out of the way. We now go to the contest that, well, on paper and maybe on performance, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, they seem a little lopsided, but we'll still give it a, the college try to maybe convince ourselves otherwise. Uh, Columbus is going to be traveling to to Greensboro, North Carolina, at the Greensboro Coliseum Complex to play the Cobras. As we mentioned, the Cobras, uh, yeah, they're they're really uh, trying to bring themselves off the mat after being just dismantled by the flight in their home arena, by the way, decent crowd for Carolina, their first home for their home opener for 2021. So, you know, hopefully the uh, beat down did not discourage those fans in Greensboro from not participating. Cause it is a fun scene out there, at least from what I saw on the stream, by the way. So uh, definitely want to go out out there and check it out. Uh, but it is a tough contest as we were talking about, you know, if it's not Albany uh, Columbus is going to be right neck and neck with them. So uh, you have to deal with what could arguably be, maybe the most well-rounded team in the NAL, most likely just based on the defensive accolades and Mason Espinoza, you know, taking, giving as much haymakers as the likes of like Tommy Grady over there in Albany. Yeah, this is a tough task, you know, and not to mention that Sam Castronova hasn't really shown that he can be either protected well, or has given as many smart decisions as he has been in the last two weeks. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Columbus just kind of seems like I'm going to have as a choice. Maybe Carolina surprises me a bit, but uh, I'm not seeing much beyond the Lions just kind of pulling away in this one. Uh, I would say in almost a handy, you know, almost handedly, if you will. I want to lean towards you, and here's my reason why. 
New Jersey's defense completely, completely destroyed the Carolina's offensive line and got to Sam Casanova. Yes. Upgrade New Jer- Jersey's defense, and you get the Columbus Lions defense. Right. It's, that's not going to go well for the Carolina Cobras. The problem no. is, one thing I've noticed so far this season, uh, Mason Espinosa doesn't make mistakes. And when he does, his defense is there to save. And in arena football, you have a defense that saves you, you're going to win a lot of football games. And you're going to win a lot of football games one-sided. For me, besides the kick-ass logo and jersey combinations that the Carolina Cobras have, I do have to agree they're some of the most underappreciated jerseys Mm -hmm. in all of arena football, just not the National Arena League, but all arena football. Oh, yeah. It's good. Um, Jerseys and styles and looking good, not going to win you a football game. (laughs) Carolina needs to jump for them to win this game. They need to jump on Columbus early. If you win the toss. Okay. Don't, you know, I know how people like, we like to defer. Don't defer, get the ball first, set the tempo, do what Jacksonville likes to do or do what Albany. I saw Albany do this against, I think New Jersey, they accepted the kickoff, got a deuce right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Then they, then defense stopped, got a touchdown. They were up by eight before, um, Jersey knew what hit them. And Carolina needs to find a way to jump on them easily. And when I was listening to the broadcast in Columbus last week, the guy even mentioned Columbus is undefeated when they score first this year. So maybe if you score first, the tides will trend your way. But that offensive line needs a block. You need to give you need to catch another time to pass. If your quarterback's sitting on the ground, you ain't winning the game. And Columbus defense is legit. They're the best defense in this league. I don't know how many times like I say it. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking I'm picking Columbus big here. So, yeah. I, I do see Columbus. And, again, it's not like Carolina's incompetent. I mean, Castronova's shown that he has flashes, that he's a mobile QB that can ha- deliver the ball when needed. You know, and B.J. Bunn and Kendrick Ings are no slouches for for outside talent, you know, for receiving core. I mean, it's 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 a good group. You know, you just need to protect your QB. You know, and I mean, Carolina credit, they also have some injuries on defense as well. But I mean, that being said, you know, that offensively, you know, if you're if you're not giving your QB time and your QB is forcing things to cause turnovers like they did against Jersey, you're not going to be winning games anywhere. So, you know, pretty on paper, this looks like kind of a lopsided matchup. And honestly, the way Columbus is playing right now, almost like it's uh, they're playing with a bit of fire for losing that close one against Albany week one kind of feel like this is going to be another one that might uh, just blaze through. So could be an ugly one, but Hey, maybe Carolina gives a little more fight after uh, being embarrassed by the <laughs> winless Jersey flight in week four. The final game of week five here is where Jim's going to be at this weekend. Uh, hey. He gets to go to the, to the vice star veterans and Royal arena. He'll be watching his Jacksonville sharks as they host the Albany empire right now, the hottest team in the NAL, the only undefeated team in the NAL, even the more stacked team in the NAL. This will be the first game Malachi Jones will be making his debut for the NAL's version of the Albany Empire. You know, the one that also has Darius Prince in that lineup of receivers and, you know, Michael Barnett. I mean, it's not like they're stacked. And De- Derek Ross. I mean, yeah. Um, I, you know, Connor Kage, uh, which it's, I would assume maybe he gets a start here as we've been talking. 
what a what a home what a home opener for him this season to have to go against this type of roster basically a arena all-star roster it seems on the offensive side of the ball oh yeah yeah how many times do you guys say that albany's loaded yes i mean we, we, we might as well just make a stinger at this point if yeah. we ever mention it because it's that it comes <laughs> up that much it will come up that much yeah uh, albany's loaded and of top of course tommy grady Derek ross also former members of the jacksonville sharks yep but you also got to look at the Jacksonville Sharks roster. They're loaded too. True. In preseason, Albany and Jacksonville were considered one and two in the league. And it was like 1A, 1B, then three Columbus. That's the thing about this game that on paper, it looks like this is going to be one-sided and Albany is going to kick Jacksonville behind. But why am I trending towards this way, this game? It's home in Jacksonville. Jacksonville doesn't lose at home. They do. It happens. It's football. But they, they hardly lose at home. The energy in that building is different. Tommy Gray's been in that building, so he's experienced both sides. So he's yes. used to it. But one thing that I've noticed for younger quarterbacks, no matter what league they play in, it could be the, you know, the WAC in the, or the Atlantic Sun in college or the SEC in college, or it can be arena football, or it could be the NFL. Young quarterbacks who get their first introduction into their sport or their level of competition usually play 10 times worse on the road. But when they're home, they're more relaxed. They got the fans behind them. They make better reads and make better decisions. So with that, I'm just going to do this because I'm a homer. <laughs> Mentally and physically, I got to stay positive for this because I'll be at the game. That's why, because I'm at the game, I'm going to you know stick with my guns and say my boys are going to pull off an upset. Okay. And yes, I'm going to say Jacksonville put wins and pulls off the upset. Okay. But as a person that is breaking down this game as a here on the on this podcast, Jacksonville has no business winning this game. <laughs> Just gonna say they have no business. Will I be shocked if they lose by 45? No. Will I be coming on here next week on the podcast talking trash on the Sharks beat the Albany Empire? No. I'm no. not. I'm just, I'm just going to say Jacksonville, in my heart, is going to pull off the upset. Connor Kage is going to shock the NAL world. But in all, real, all reality, they should have no business in this game. Albany should win this game at least by three scores. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. So in our pick em, I'm picking Jacksonville. But as oh, a oh person my. who covers this league, Albany's going to win this game. Oh my, Jim, Jim, Jim. <laughs> what what are you doing? Look, if they, dude, if they upset him, like great, you know, Connor Keg, you might be the solution. You know, obviously, Mike Mike Faithful would have uh, helped this out a little bit. You know, unfortunately, he will not have that chance due to he's uh, out for the yeah, season, unfortunate ACL injury. But I mean, hey, you know, Keg gets a full week of practice. You know, he's definitively probably at least again we are assuming he's definitively should be the starter here based on the performance he had against Columbus, which seemed like a lot more reasonable in his time there, even though he threw two picks. I mean, look, the, I don't know about 45 point loss if you're talking like realistic. Cause I mean, Hey, they still put up 32 and only lost by 24 to the Columbus lions, you know, and this is a worse off defense in my opinion, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick the Jacksonville sharks like you did, because I'm going to, I'm just going to go with Albany because you know, look at that roster 
and look at all those weapons. Uh, yeah, look at the roster, look at all the weapons, but you can, you can look at other sporting leagues and others and football leagues. Some of the greatest teams in the NFL get knocked off by the crappiest teams any given Sunday and our league, it's any given Saturday. So you can't for count sure. them out, but, if I'm a bet, if you told me this is for daily fancy points, you got to bet your money on it. Fifty bucks down, who wins this game? Oh, I'm gonna pick Albany. I'm not gonna be a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna say that. Jim Excuse my du- language. <laughs> nah, Jim doing the Jim with the passion vote. Yeah, I'm going with Albany here. That, that's gonna be my pick when you see that graphic later this week. Uh, yeah, I mean Malachi Jones is another element. I mean, you got a lot to cover. And now credit, and I say credit with your point, you know. Albany back when they were in 2019, you know, that team was also stacked in the AFL and they lost two in a row on the way to a championship in arena bowl 32. This team is probably just as stacked on that offensive side. If not even more so with Malachi Jones, anything can happen on any given, uh, well weekend, I guess, if you're talking arena, but seriously, yeah, I can't go against Albany, man. That's just, that just almost seems sacral sacrilegious to do that. (laughs) This is what they have. All right. No dice. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, it <laughs> either at the end of this week, you're two wins ahead of me in the standings, or I'm two wins ahead of you in the standings. So that's that's how you do pickings. That's how I make it interesting because last week was so boring. We all picked the same team. That's true. That's true. You know, hey, like I said, my Orlando argument doesn't exactly seem sound either, but you know, who knows, right? Oh, it's it's arena because two weeks ago we said the Jersey flight were the worst team in the league. Yeah. They shut us up this week. Now we're saying that Albany is a good, the best team in the league. And they've been doing that for the last four weeks. Jacksonville can's like, Hey, no, they're not. Maybe that can happen. It's the love of the game. It's the love of arena football. You don't know until toe hits leather and how certain teams play in their home building. Anything can happen spontaneity of it all it, it's mm-hmm. beauty of arena you know yeah. you gotta love it uh one other element i should mention craig peterson last week setting records there dude has been lightening up lighting it up by the way from the kicking position another asset mind mm-hmm. you so just just had to throw that on you know and of course shout out to craig because i mean dude dude's dude's been doing great love talking to him on my other show by the way so you know keep on keeping on uh in terms of this show though that's it that's our yeah. predictions, folks. That's our show. You know, episode two is in the books. Again, thanks as always. And thanks for the support we've been getting. That's the thing. You know, now that we have all these different podcast platforms, we're growing. We're feeling really good where this is going. And we're going to get more feedback. We're going to have player interviews coming up. We got at least one lined up and another one I'm definitely currently lining up. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I think you'll enjoy them when they come, come up. One maybe next week. You'll see. You know, otherwise, I mean, you'll figure out when you listen to episode three, but you know, until next time, guys, thanks as always keep on rocking the NAL game. And remember folks, as Jim says, don't be a Jack out of the box. (laughs) 